Hello and welcome to Stormbird's Podcast, episode number 129. This is Schmitty. This is Stark. I'm Zoner. And this is Zook. And we come to you, well, um, we're all still kind of hungover from uh, Comic-Con. Not really, but if if you've ever been to a convention, you know what we're talking about. It is, we just want to sleep for a week. Uh, We have our normal list of sponsors, KryptonRadio.com. Start uh, trackradio.net, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Other than that, it's kind of weird not to be uh, in Salt Lake Comic Con anymore or any other of our sponsors, but it was insane. <laughs> they will we'll have one next year, and it will be a We've been telling you for months. Comic Con 2014, be there. We've been telling you for months to get your tickets and come on down. And if you didn't, you missed one hell of a show. Uh, three days of absolute pandemonium. They're saying, uh, what is it? The total number is now somewhere in the mid 70,000s. We're going to have Dan Farr again yeah. to, uh, to tell us all the details, but it was nuts. It was the, They're saying it was it's the, the largest, it was the largest convention of any kind in Utah. Uh, it was the largest inaugural Comic Con in North America. Uh, it's only the second largest event to hit, uh, Utah outside the Olympics. Um, and the local LDS conferences, which don't really count. But, and, and we placed, I think, third largest in the U.S. and fourth largest in North America. Yep. Fourth largest, yeah. Yeah, fourth largest in America, in North America, which, let's face it, is basically just the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. We were behind San Diego, of course, uh, Toronto, and New York. But we beat Denver, yeah. we beat Dallas, we beat Seattle, we beat, um, yeah. Phoenix. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm unsure how Dragon Con compares because I don't think they com- they I don't think Dragon Con falls into the Comic Con no envelope for comparison. But I don't think there's a lot of cons in Mexico that we beat. I don't because I don't. There are that. a lot of cons, just not a lot of conventions. Chiquita Con, <laughs> the Mexican. Are, are you a Mexican or a Mexicant? That's, okay, that's an actual man. movie line. Before everyone gets up in my grill about that, that's an actual movie line. But um, yeah, no, it was it was insane. We got a lot of great interviews. Uh, you can see the videos on our Facebook. Um, we will post them also on Soulandroids.com. But they're definitely on our Facebook. A lot of pictures, a lot of pictures. We killed three cameras getting all the pictures. And if you're listening to us for the first time, welcome. Uh, we hope that uh, you'll not be too annoyed with us. <laughs> If you're a little annoyed, we understand. And if you stopped by our booth and met us at the show, thanks for coming by. We appreciate it. It was fun to meet everybody that stopped by. Definitely, definitely. A lot of people loved our poster. Um, we gave out a lot of business cards, and then we ran out and gave some old business cards that don't look the same at all. Which one do you have? Don't. We'll never tell. <laughs> they did don't the, even have the same name. Did the limited collector edition? Or... <laughs> We won't tell which one's which, but in any case, uh, if you are, you know, like Stark says, if you are new, stop by our Facebook page, see if we grabbed a picture of you, tag yourself. So many good costumes. Oh, yes. That's uh, one honestly, of the nice things about a convention like this is that the cosplayers just come out of the woodwork, and there there were some co- there were some costumes that I really wish I hadn't seen, and then there were some costumes that were like, Wow. And many of the ones that uh, we wish we hadn't seen, we did not take pictures of to subject you to. So, <laughs> Just because you can make a costume of it doesn't mean you should make a costume of it. <laughs> and it really doesn't mean that you should wear a costume of and it. And yes, there is a weight limit on spandex. 
Now, I, I, I do want to say, I before before the Comic Con, I did not realize how much how big of an art cosplaying was. I I just oh, thought truly. people were going to yeah. buy like a costume online and and wear it. But no, some people have spent months making their costumes, and you can tell the ones that 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 spend a lot of time on them and and the makeup and. and well, the there's hair. the professional ones. Right. Um, um, our friend Amber was able to interview a couple of them, and they were. They were quite impressive, and everyone thinks, well, I'm talking about the ladies. Well, the ladies are, too, but their costumes were immaculate. They're really insane. But then there's just everyday people who have a job and have kids and, you know, have real world, if you will, who also just had insane, well-made costumes that you could tell a lot of love went into them. And it was almost more fun to check out um, some of how creative people got in it. My favorite still has to be Sharknado. The yes. Sharknado one was really good. Yeah. So I, uh, hats off to everyone. If you're listening to us and you were there in costume, let us know. We want to know what you came as. And, you know, just overall congrats to everyone. It was an awesome show. We're going to have a couple episodes of Stolen Droids Presents uh, where we present Comic-Con. I say couple because we got enough interviews to fill two hours worth. So we have Kevin J. Anderson, uh, Howard Taylor, Larry Correa. We have Ben Hansen from Factor Fiction. Uh, we got... We Factor got Faked. What? Factor fake. Yeah, that too. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> we are all professional podcasters. Here. Yeah, we, we went to the con dressed as podcasters. <laughs> at, at least we didn't get any names wrong like while we were interviewing them. Um, so. Just saying, guys, you know who you are. <laughs> okay, into our headlines this week. And this week has been all over the place, not just because of the con. It really just kind of has been. Top of the list, of course, was Apple's event where they released the new two new iPhones. And it almost seems like everyone else said, well, we won't release anything this week because of that. But the iPhones are getting kind of a mixed response. The I said they launched two, and they did, the 5S and the 5C. What are the differences? Now, the five, well, the 5C has been long rumored. I mean, like since the first iPhone, it was rumored, but uh, it finally launched. It is a compact, cheap version of an iPhone. I think the C stands for crap. Well, it might, but it's it is super cheap. It's very affordable. Uh, it's a plastic body. It's otherwise almost the same iPhone that you've seen. It's just a cheaper build quality. It's meant for the lower end market. They're trying to. I think it's actually smart on their case because feature for feature, iPhones don't really stack up anymore to the top tier phones. So why not take the guts you already have and put it into a feature phone and aim for that lower market? There's a lower market for Apple? There's a lower market for phones, yeah. Remember last week how I talked about how uh, Nokia is making a lot of feature phones based on the Windows platform? Oh, yeah. Well, that's why they're making such a huge headway into the international phone market, because feature phones are a booming market. So why not get Apple in there? The 5S, on the other hand, is more of iPhone 5. It looks just like the iPhone 5, uh, except it has some new guts in there. And it has some really interesting ones that kind of raise a new question. It has the A7 processor, which is the world's first mobile phone with a 64-bit CPU. If you don't know what 64-bit is, the long and short of it is basically that it can handle much more memory than a normal CPU. That's really all you need to know. It has a biometric fingerprint reader built into the front so that old swipe to unlock is gone you now swipe your finger to unlock like literally it reads your fingerprint 
I see that being as just awesome and a pain if you ever want to give your phone to someone else or sell it. <laughs> well, I, I can tell, I can say from experience, uh, I have a uh, fingerprint scanner. I had a fingerprint scanner on a computer uh, from a company a couple years ago, and I tried using that exclusively. And this was during the winter time when mm-hmm. I'd come in from uh, from outside, and my hands were freezing cold. I couldn't unlock my computer. Or the one time where um, I I banged my finger up pretty bad and um, it was swollen, I couldn't open my computer because I forgot to register all ten fingers. <laughs> so <laughs> you just now, gave it the I, one finger, huh? I, yeah, I, I've I've had a laptop with a fingerprint reader as well, and I had generally pretty good luck with it. I would think that Apple would do okay. Until I remember that, oh yeah, it's their first time out of the gate doing this, and they have not had a great track record as of late with you know their first iterations. We have Apple Maps, we have a whole bunch of stuff where it's just that first time wasn't quite a hundred percent. That being said, it is Apple, so I wouldn't expect them to put out just absolute crap. But it does raise some interesting questions. Uh, first off, is the fact that no other Apple device has a biometric scanner on it. None. None of their laptops or their desktops, nothing of theirs currently has a biometric scanner. Are we? Do you think we're going to start seeing more and more Apple hardware with this? Is it going to be a de facto thing, or is it going to remain solely in the tablet and phone space? I think so. I, I'm surprised we haven't seen it on the MacBook, personally, because, I mean, it's been on a lot of laptops. So. I think it makes perfect sense for them to put it on everything. You know, if, they, if they're going to put it on one, why not put it on all? At least give the option to put it on all. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering the, if it'll actually be adapted and, and, and embraced by the consumer because, like Schmidt was saying, he had a biometric reader and is no longer using it. And actually, I, I, I can't recall anybody that I know has actually used a lot of biometrics. Well, uh, on that note, I think if you talk about Apple people, yeah, sure, they're going to adopt it because it's the brand new feature that only they have. They'll be using it almost in spite of everyone. Even if it <laughs> fails, even if it never works, they'll still be there showing off. Oh, hey, check this out. Here's my phone. It's uh, the brand it new feature that's been around let for me, years and me, years and years. Let me try that again. <laughs> well, it, it works most of the time. Here, let me just... Yeah, they'll do it just to spite everyone else. <laughs> and you know in their ads, it's going... They're going to pass it off as something that they invented. <laughs> no one has considered scanning a fingerprint over a digitized reader before, until Apple. You can't tell me, though, that the Apple cult's going to fall for that. I mean, biometrics have been around for a long time. They're not that dumb, are they? No, they'll just say they were the first ones to make it work. That There's a reason we oh, call okay. them Kool-Aid drinkers. Now, are, will, the, will the mobile phone and PC market at large use it? I don't know. It actually is still used in a lot of business and enterprise environments. If you look at HP laptops or Dell laptops that are aimed at the business sector, they all have it. The consumer sector, on the other hand, they're falling a lot more for the whole connect face unlock. Um, I think it just dropped off here, but I can still hear things. Um, They're looking at the whole webcam where you look at something and it uses your face to unlock. So I think they might be going more that way. Yeah, that would be interesting. I've, I've tried that on my phone, and while it works well, it doesn't work in all lighting conditions. Well, it also works if you just have a printout of your face in front of the camera. Yeah, that's true. Um, another question that it brings up, though, is a 64-bit processor in a phone is overkill. 
it's just that simple. There's more horsepower there than a phone can use. Uh, are we? Do you think we're kind of looking at a, a stage similar to the late '90s when pagers and mobile phones were getting so small, the circuitry was getting so small, they actually were no longer usable? You guys remember that late '90s pagers, the size they were shaped like ladybugs or whatnot, and they were like the size of a postage stamp. They were so small, it was actually a nightmare to use them. Yeah, the idea that just because you can pack that much hardware in a small space doesn't mean you should. Do you think we're kind of reaching that again? Yeah, I, I think we could be. And it's like, you know, it reminds me Nokia came out with a phone um, late 90s, I think, that was just tiny, it's the size tiny. paperclip, yeah. Oh, yeah, the one that actually flipped. Yeah, yeah okay, I remember. Like, yeah, it looks like clock hands. Yeah, who's going to use that? Who's going to use that stuff? People with very small hands, which I have, but not that small. They're like so a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's. You know, the 64-bit processor, it is overkill at the moment, but is it paving the way for something something more? Are we going to start seeing more graphics-heavy applications? Are we going to start seeing stuff that just completely sucks every bit of processing power we have coming to the App Store and the, the Play Store? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, as far as phones go, it might be overkill, but like you say, Zoner, I, I think, especially in tablets... Um, or in smaller form factor tablets, we'll definitely start seeing a, a lot more need for for more processing power. Um, and whether or not people want to scale that down into phones and start getting into you know 3D acceleration and things like that, um, only time will tell. But I I think we're definitely headed in that direction. Uh, and even this isn't even in the show notes, but it's it's moving into other headlines too. This was also the Intel Developer Forum week, and uh, if anything, this still shows off. Uh, I should back up a little bit. I apologize. Intel has a, a processor called the Atom. It is one of their smallest processors. It's in those really underpowered anemic netbooks, and some of the uh, some of their tablets use it. They're not really that powerful. Well, they're coming out this year. I have it on good authority. They'll, they're coming out later this fall with a quad core Atom that can fit into a tablet. Well, hey, that's great. Well, this week they introduced the um, what was it? The uh, the Quark. In any case, it's it's even smaller than the atom. It is one fifth the size of an atom, which means that quad core atom could also, instead of holding four atoms, could hold twenty of this other CPU. So I think maybe, and, and to tie this back into the iPhone, maybe instead of using all the hardware at its disposal, it's just simply the next step of chip and it just happens to be that much more powerful even if we never use that much horsepower in that small form factor it's just the new standard it's just there yeah so in any case these smaller cpus these small powerful cpus will really help out wearable tech in other phone news um some screenshots have leaked of Windows Phone 8.1 it has a new personal assistant that Halo fans will like because it's called Cortana. Does it have a start button? <laughs> Dude, really? I couldn't play resist. That I couldn't resist. I could. <laughs> I could. You know what? Here's my phone. You know what's dead center there? It's a start button. Are you happy? As he holds his phone up to the video camera for the rest of us to see. <laughs> you uneducated Neanderthal. Yes, it has a start button. No one cares. In any case, it will have Cortana, who is supposed to be a personal assistant um, that reaches into all levels of the OS, which is really cool for like voice integration or whatnot. Uh, 
I'm just excited. Because even if... I, I really hope they have the lady who, who actually voiced Cortana as the phone's voice, because then I'll just be giddy. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Plus, she'll help you avoid the flood. The flood and... Yeah. And. Yeah, all, all the hinge heads and everything. And considering she's also the voice for uh, Kate Archer and No One Lives Forever, she could help you be a spy. Yeah. I care less about that. <laughs> but it's an added bonus. <laughs> In other Microsoft phone news, Microsoft has decided to put Xbox Music, their version of the music store, onto Android and iOS. And it looks sweet. <laughs> and it works really well, too. Yeah. Um, just heads up, Google. This is how you build interoperability. Why is it that Microsoft is so willing to play nicely with Google, but Google won't play nice with Microsoft? I think it's because, I honestly think, and I've, I've actually done a lot of thinking about this, I think it's because Google has never faced the slapdown that Microsoft once had to. I think if Google had ever had to go through that, it's like people who, who try and consult, it's like if you're going through a divorce, and you have all your friends who have never gone through a divorce going, oh, well, that's really too bad, but is it really as tough as you're making it out to be? I mean, can't you buck up a little bit? Sorry, if you've never done it, you have no room to talk. And I think in kind of an expanded, stretched, metaphorical kind of way, it's the same sort of thing. I don't think Google knows just how bad an antitrust suit can get. And Microsoft has been through the ringer, and is still put through the ringer every 18 months. Does Google need to get divorced to find out how, how the I, tech perhaps, industry works? <laughs> perhaps. You know, there's a lot of argument that Google could be facing some of the same claims that knocked Microsoft down off their pedal stool. Oh, I think have been trying that, for a long time. So. I don't think it will happen the same way, though, because I think the public has changed since those Microsoft days. I think back then it was, ooh, evil overlord Microsoft trying to get us all, and now it's, well, Google hits me because he loves me. It's really my fault. I should have been better. You know? <laughs> Dang it, why can't I quit you? <laughs> If only I had had dinner ready, Google would have just given me the YouTube app. It's really my fault. (laughs) Schmitty's dying on camera over here. (laughs) Uh, And finally, into the uh, last bit of uh, phone news. I know, it's a record. Only 18 minutes of phone news here. Uh, AT&T decided to run an ad. Well, that was your first indication this is going to end badly. (laughs) With a BlackBerry... That's your second indication. To commemorate 9-11. On Twitter. On Twitter. So the memorial, the 9-11 memorial now, every year on September 11th, has, I think, 88. I think it is. That's the number of spotlights in the form of the two twin towers lit up into the into the night sky to commemorate, you know, the to commemorate the fall of the towers. Well... In this particular picture, they take a well-known footage, a photo of it, and cut it in such a way that it looks like you're looking at it through a BlackBerry Z10. And it says, you know, never forget. The backlash was immediate and, and huge. Yeah, and huge, large. How, how, long, how long did it take them to take down that photo? Less than an hour. It was gone in less than an hour. Now, if you go to our Facebook page, because I posted it on our Facebook page, you can still see a screenshot 
of what it looked like, but you can't follow the link anymore. If you click on the link and follow it through, it'll just take you to an oops, that tweet's been removed. But it's really tacky. It's really, really corny, and I think a lot of people found it in very poor taste. Especially because BlackBerry's a Canadian company, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was the first reason, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the thing that confused me about this is... The whole, I mean, AT&T, fine, whatever. At least they included something regarding 9-11 in their tweet. The Lakers tweeted out a picture of Kobe Bryant. looked I like he was that. at the foul line. And it said, never forget. And I'm looking at that thinking, did Kobe leave the oven on? Yeah. What, what are you not supposed to forget? Don't sleep with women, not your wife. <laughs> Don't, Don't rape women. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget. That just made absolutely no sense to me. So at least AT&T tried. Yeah, I, 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 it could have been much worse. The words be bold could have been on that oh ad gosh. anywhere. <laughs> that, that would have been... There could have been superheroes in it, too. <laughs> the be bold team. Yes. At a time like this, when you're remembering our national mourning from 12 years ago, remember these happy cartoon characters that can help us. Yeah. Be bold. Don't don't advertise a BlackBerry on Twitter. It always ends badly. Just remember that uh, advertisers tend and, to live in their own world anyway. It's one of those rules, you know. Don't get involved in a land war in Asia. Don't advertise <laughs> BlackBerry on Twitter. On nine eleven. Yeah, that that would have been in the movie had BlackBerry been around then. <laughs> okay, we are kind of all over the place. So where should we go next? Let's go to DARPA. DARPA, um, the military's mad scientist division, seriously, how do you get a job there? Um, they have a new technology that should allow battlefield communications to work a lot better. And if you're an old fan of Shadowrun or Battletech, you'll recognize this technology, but it's based on BitTorrent. The idea is, is that every unit, every soldier, will be synchronizing a stream across the battlefield, so instead of as it works now, where all communication goes into a central unit and they communicate back out to the other units. Instead, this way, everything that each unit sees gets overlaid with everyone else. So, if you have enough units spread over an area well enough, you can see everything happening on the battlefield from your one vantage point by compartmentalizing the data. Now, in Battletech, this was called the C3 slave system, uh, I think Shadowrun called it something else, but the only problem is the MPAA has already tried to sue them over this. And uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all it took was one Disney movie getting downloaded. <laughs> really, you're you're in the middle of the front line, and you really want to watch Monsters Inc. now? <laughs> well, I thought that it was Mulan that they went for to get you know the Chinese battle tactics against the Huns. Be a just, man. <laughs> I was about they to were say learning that. how to get down to business. <laughs> Be as fierce as a wild typhoon. Of course, as a raging river. <laughs> and mysterious yes. as the dark side of the moon. Which, Thank if you've listened to Floyd, you know it's not that mysterious. <laughs> it's just really trippy. Thank you, Donnie Osmond. <laughs> it's more like a bad acid trip. <laughs> just about. <laughs> okay, um... Into some kind of surprising news, and this one hit while we were at the con, and it took me a while. I had to read it repeatedly until I, I caught what I was trying to say. Stanley Media. We've talked about them before, but Stanley Media, 
not Stan Lee, um, went to court to try and sue Disney for ownership of certain Marvel properties. Now, if you're not familiar, Stan Lee Media was a company that was, I think, originally founded by Stan Lee, but then he left. But they yeah, say that they own, yeah, that they own certain parts of his property. And so Marvel had no right to sell itself to Disney and make all that huge amount of money. They're just trying to get in on that as well. They went to court for it, and the court, uh, the judge was not kind to them, uh, said no, and don't ever come back again. Was he in Texas? <laughs> Who knows? Who cares at this point? I'm just kind of happy to stop hearing it. Now, Stanley Media is not a complete troll. They have had the ownership of certain properties. I think they actually did the original X-Men animated series in the 90s, you know, that we all know and love. Um, so it's not that there are complete copyright trolls in this case. They have been involved, but it's just really murky how it all went down, and it's gotten really kind of skeevy since Stanley left. By the way, we saw Stanley at the con. Nice guy. Really weird. Tells it like it is. Excelsior. He's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, and really- I gotta tell you, there's nothing cooler than walking into a crowded, crowded hall. Uh, with the doors shut a minute after somebody takes the stage and there's no seats left and you walk right in when you're not supposed to with, well, when normal people aren't supposed to and you walk right up to the front and sit down because you have a press pass. That is power and I like power. (laughs) Abusing it. With it comes great responsibility though. Yes. To get I didn't abuse it. I, I I was behaved. (laughs) <laughs> so there's that in uh, there's that in entertainment news. In other entertainment news, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean five, yes, there are four of them already, and they're looking at a fifth, has been delayed. I don't really care because I hate that series now. I like the first one. I've hated every one since. Does anybody really care at this point? They're saying that it's due to the script not being what they wanted. But then there's a lot of other people saying, and I think Bruckheimer actually said this, it has to do with the fact that they took a huge hit on Lone Ranger this year. Mm-hmm. And the studio's not really prepared to take that kind of a hit so short so short in the future, so, so soon in the future. Well, I think that we expected that, though. I mean, everyone did. We all knew that Lone Ranger was not going to do well. We talked about it on this show, and we don't even know anything. You know, we're... <laughs> We're a bunch of uh, four guys just faking it here on the air. But we knew they were going to take a hit. It was this year's um, John Carter, for lack of a better word. Except yeah. it was bad. <laughs> yeah, John Carter was really good. I liked it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but so we all knew this was going to be the case. And I think it's not just that. I think it's how much money Lone Ranger lost in addition to their prepping to ramp up for episode seven i think their priorities have shifted a bit from making the filler summer blockbuster summer blockbuster which is just kind of the surefire and we'll make some money here and just keep a movie going out versus uh okay we have an upcoming investment happening that we need to get right yeah yeah Yeah, i i think you're right on on that you know if if i was in disney's shoes would I want to make the fifth movie of a franchise that's going to cost $300 million to make that people will complain about, but they'll still go see it? I don't, yeah, it's safe, it's I, safe money for them. It, it is safe money. Or do you go for what I think Star Wars is also going to be safe money, 
but, but it's if, much more anticipated. Yes, and if they get it wrong, they will be destroyed. They and, and not not financially, forget, but yeah. Lest we forget, Avengers Two is coming out the same year, which yes. is also Disney now. Disney has two huge properties they need to ramp up for. It's almost like they just don't have the time or the extra money for this redheaded stepchild now. Well, Only in this case, the stepchildren show. are getting more love. Yeah, yeah it's a red red bearded stepchild, huh? So, sorry if you're a Pirates fan. I don't know what to tell you. I don't care. The last ones haven't been very good. Why are you a Pirates fan? They shot a monkey out of a cannon. Everything's like funny with monkeys. <laughs> that's like an Uwe Bowl prop. That's that's not good. <laughs> Is Bruckheimer getting paid in monkeys? Maybe. <laughs> Um, okay, in other entertainment news. Better Call Saul. Yeah. yeah. Explain this one to me, because I actually okay. haven't followed this one. Uh, I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. I don't know. Are you guys... You guys don't even watch it, do you? I, you I watch it. F- hey, no, no, me. Oh. I watch okay, it. okay. What, what, so, I'm so, cool, too. I'm cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Saul Goodman, for those of you who don't know, is the attorney on Breaking Bad. They're going to do a prequel series uh, based on how he became the preferred attorney of the um, underbelly <laughs> of Albuquerque. So, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Oh, it'll be good because it's AMC and AMC doesn't do crap, but... You know what's really funny about you saying that? It wasn't long ago that they did do crap, in fact. Yeah, that's that's what's amazing. They turned it around. I want to say it was Breaking Bad, actually, was their first series that really helped turn it around. Am I wrong? Because Breaking Bad precedes Mad Men, right? I think it was Mad Men, actually. Was that one first? Yeah, I think Mad Men was the one that started started their path to success. Yeah, because it, and now it they're literally just awesome. is just oh, hey, we can do good TV and people will watch us? You mean that's <laughs> the reason people weren't watching us before? I, I think the thing with AMC is they're on cable and they've kind of decided, okay, well, different standards apply to cable than to regular broadcast TV. Let's push the boundaries. Let's be dark. Let's be gritty. And let's be uh, compelling. Let's tell good stories using these uh, these bounds that we have to play in. Let's have Christina and, Hendricks on it. Well, yeah, that's always a bonus, but Ooh. you know, it. they figured out that they can actually do good TV, and people will watch it. The problem that they have now is they're kind of jerks to their show producers and stars and whatnot, so their shows may not last long, but they're good shows. A show goeth before the fall. Yeah. To so, make up a phrase. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll so better call those. Saul. I this mean, will that be could, their first spinoff, won't it? AMC's first spinoff. Uh, possibly. Uh, I don't know. I think so. Um, they haven't yes. got the Don Draper files. So. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that looks like it could be an entertaining, entertaining series. In other entertainment news, and this one is more in the rumor camp. It's a solid rumor. It's a it's a confirmed rumor. Uh, Roland Emmerich wants to make another Stargate movie. Now he actually wants to make three, a trilogy. Uh, currently, this has just been pitched. 
And so we don't even know if it will be three or if it'll just be one. The first one did okay in, in theaters. It didn't do great, but it did okay. You know, it, it wasn't was a fun, loss. though. It was a lot of fun. It was, un, until Serenity, it was my favorite sci-fi movie. Even though it had the kid from the crying game. Even despite that, I still liked it. Now, I'm a bigger fan of Stargate SG-1, Atlantis, Universe. That was a sci-fi series that was on for almost, what, 15 years? Just about, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, 10 seasons on SG-1, 4 seasons on uh, on Atlantis, and 2 seasons on Universe. Which was way too I thought it was longer on Atlantis. No, it was I only want to four, say four. four. It was four seasons, yeah. But it was... Don't say it was too long. It was an awesome series. All of them were... And well, it, no, maybe, I mean, Universe was too long. <laughs> yeah. I have negative universe, thoughts on Universe. <laughs> universe could have been really good if they just decided to start the show at the pilot instead of at the end of the first season. <laughs> it, was, it was crap for the first season. The second season got really good, but it was too late. The writing was on the wall. But in any case, for a combined 16 seasons... This show has created this really huge, in-depth, expanded universe way past what the original movie was. Well, he says he doesn't want to use any of that. He wants to pretend like none of the shows ever existed and just pick up the movie from where the first one let off. Is this because of copyright issues? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean it's MGM, or, or not copyright, but rights issues. Because I know that there's, I know that that's what's going on between Star Trek right now is that you've got TV rights and movie rights, and that's that's been a major fight. No, so I don't know. If no, it's, it's not. It, it's not the same. And honestly, the only reason that Star Trek has that weird split and the split he's talking about, people, the movie is Paramount, the show is CBS, and the only reason that's the case is because Star Trek started in the '60s. Yeah. This is a holdover from the original deal in the '60s that CBS refuses to give up, and that's okay. That's their prerogative, right? Yep. Stargate has always been MGM. Always. And it was MGM, actually, that canceled the series because they didn't want to put any more money into it. Now, here's the issue. Not only does he want to ignore any of the continuity that's ever happened afterwards and go back to the original movie and just start it from the end, just like the series did, but the problem is, is that Jack Russell and Daniel Spader don't look the same as they did. They wouldn't be cast. So, so he, even though they'd have to recast. Yeah. You mean Daniel Jackson? Uh, David Spader. What, what's his name? The actor's name. Is it David or Daniel? Ja- James. I was close. Anyway. <laughs> Samson. I was way off. <laughs> and now Schmitty will hack up a lung laughing. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> But it's like, not only are you ignoring all the continuity to go back to the original source, you can't go back to the original source because the people don't, you can't cast them anymore. That's just, that makes no sense to me. I mean, you have those 16 years of expanded universe. Why not build on that? Why not use that? Because there's a lot of fans of the series. You don't. There's a lot of fans of the series and the actors that were on the TV shows were good actors. Yes, they were. You could easily make a trilogy of movies off of the same actors. They still have the sets. Do know? they really? Yeah, they have all the sets. It's not a big deal. Well, yeah, they're up in Vancouver. Yeah. And we know nice. those Canadians love making sci-fi. I mean, they do it, like, in their sleep. It's like a YouTube thing for them. They have a free weekend. Hey, we'll make Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Got in a week with nothing to do? We'll make Bionic Woman. Not a problem. <laughs> That was good until it wasn't good. 
You mean like 15 minutes into the pilot? Yeah. (laughs) By the time she got bionic, it suddenly was no longer good. Those opening credits came, and oh, it just went downhill from there. (laughs) My eyes just started bleeding at the first commercial break. Okay, uh, Ian, talking about TV news, actually, we have cord cutting. Now, Epics, what is Epics TV? Epics is one of... Go ahead, Smitty. It's it's another Netflix style uh, video sharing, um, except it's it um, it was backed by I want to say Comcast for for a while before Comcast switched to Xfinity. It's possible. Basically, the CEO of Epix is, is is talking about how people nowadays, and especially the younger people who are coming into the workforce, can't afford hundred dollar cable bills. And streaming is basically going to be coming in. The, I mean, we've talked about this a hundred times in the in the past, but the, one of the reasons I put this article in here is because as I was reading it, I'm like, okay, that's interesting, that's interesting. Yeah, some of the smaller networks may not survive. I was kind of uh, uh, believing that myself. I mean, who needs the tennis channel and stuff? But in the bottom of the um, uh, Tennis article, fans. Yeah, well... But uh, in the bottom of the article, it talked about how instead of just being a channel, basically all people want is content. And he was talking about the Pandora method of basically giving, I don't know how many times this owner is drinking here now, uh, of, of delivering music to you. And he's talking about having a Pandora version for television content. Hey, you, you liked Archer. Maybe you would like some of these other animated comedies. You like Stargate. Maybe you'd like some of these other sci-fi things. So, I, I, I think it's interesting to see more of this starting to come out, more of it starting to come around, especially some of the notes in there. I find it really funny that the music streaming model of 2004 is just now catching on with people. <laughs> I mean, because isn't that what Launch used to do? Launch.com before it became Yahoo? Mm-hmm. What is launch, launch cast? Audio the exact Galaxy. Same thing. Uh, yeah, there were there were a lot of them back then, and then it kind of died out. Uh, and uh, Pandora has has kind of kept the legacy going until now. Spotify. So yeah. Do you, do you think this is kind of like one of those concepts, almost like the electric car, where everyone knows it's a good idea, but it comes and then it's killed, and then it comes and then it's killed. It's taken a while again. to get here. It's taken a while to get here. We know it's going to be the, the wave of the future. We just don't know when. And then finally, it's there's one team or one company that does it just right enough that it latches on and sticks. Well, one of the yeah, the, one of the other so. things they put in the article was is that the cable companies were throwing money and exclusive items to the various channels in order to prevent uh, the, the the channels from broadcasting over satellite because satellite was breaking uh, into the cable market as well. And you're, we're noticing they're trying to do the same thing here. Uh, with the streaming services. He said, some some in media business call this cord cutting, but three decades ago we had a different name for this industry called a competition. And that's what we're doing is the consumers are voting with their wallet. Yeah. I, it's the easiest way to vote. That's mm-hmm. what we do in Washington all the time. Ooh. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. I regretted it immediately. Let's talk about Dell. <laughs> So we, we reported on this a couple months ago. This is just honestly a follow-up. Dell was looking to go private, and what does that mean for one of the largest uh, consumer 
PC companies. Well, today, actually, just today, their shareholders all voted they will go pu- pu- uh, private. They so will you can no longer the buy shares in Dell. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are. Uh, they're basically going to sell and buy out their own shareholders. Now, there's a couple reasons they'll do this. We'll just recap them real fast. For one, by doing this, they don't have as much oversight. They can move forward into the different areas they want to. They can move at the pace they want to. Uh, they have a lot fewer people to answer to. Overall, it helps mobilize them. Instead of being so entrenched, they can just go and do whatever they want to do. Now, for the consumer side, that doesn't really mean much changing. For the enterprise side, it is huge. Dell does more than you think they do when it comes to enterprise computing, and they're buying up little companies left and right. And if they have a huge shareholder base that's holding them back, they won't like that, especially because enterprise is actually where the money is. So, And on the flip side of the coin, today Twitter announced that they were looking at an IPO. Yeah, we'll see how well that goes. Has Twitter ever pulled a profit? Well, I wonder if Twitter's like Yahoo. Do they have really any monetization? Yeah, Twitter's like Yahoo. They have no clue how to make money. Just saying. I'm not hating on you, Twitter or Yahoo. I'm just saying you've never made money. Why would anyone? Why would anyone buy stocks of a company they know can't make money? Just saying. Because IPO trendy. I don't know. Well, how did that work for Facebook? Not well. Not well at all. Uh, Steam has celebrated its 10th anniversary. Steam is, of course, the uh, online streaming game service from Valve, because Valve releases Steam. Get it? Uh, 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 I see what you did there. Oh, clever. Uh, and the idea is the new version will actually allow you to share and borrow games across Steam. Really? Sounds like something uh, some uh, game console company was going to do. Yeah, before it got torpedoed because people didn't want that. Yeah. Well, the thing with this is, I, from what I understand, is you, it's like within your family. So, so how do you if, identify family? Well, if you have a computer that's authorized, such as your home computer, and you have multiple Steam accounts who log into that, they'll be able to access the games that are on the computer. So it's essentially it's like having the same thing with having a family account with Netflix. Except you can have uh, multiple devices. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be any different than how Microsoft's family sharing was going to be. Like, I was going to make Zook my family. Mm-hmm. And so. Well, and even the, the article from Kotaku says right here, and I quote, If this sounds familiar, that's because it's quite similar to Xbox One's coolest feature, the family sharing plan, which was cut from launch. End quote. <coughs> so, good job, people. You managed to kill a feature that you're really excited for in Steam, but you killed it from the Xbox One. Did they yeah, call I don't understand that. <laughs> kind of seems so. like there's more users on Steam that would use this feature, um, because because people that are that are on Steam tend to have either multiple accounts or know more people that are on it. That's just the impression that I get. Well, there's I, I would believe that there's more games on Steam. Yeah, there's there's tons. Than on Xbox. Well, there's more well, digital downloadable games on Steam. Let's put it okay, that way. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll, I'll, I'll believe that. I'm like, no, you can't tell me there's more on Steam than there is on Xbox. No, that no, doesn't no. fly. <laughs> um, in other news, Google Plus has had uh, a rough time. <laughs> Google Plus is still around. Wow, okay. 
Exactly, and that's the rough time we're talking about. People just immediately dismiss it out of hand. Well, it turns out it's not actually the desolate wasteland that Stark would make you believe. <laughs> yeah, Google Plus has a bad rap. Everybody says that nobody is on it, but there are a lot of people on it. It's now the number two most active social network out there. It's more active than Twitter or Pinterest. Which is actually surprising. I don't know quite how to word this in a way that doesn't sound insulting to 90% of the world's population, so I'm just going to say it. It's surprising because it doesn't have any of the bells and whistles and stupid games that people use Facebook for. Like, everyone assumes Facebook is popular because of all those bells and whistles, so why is this other place that has none of those bells and whistles almost as popular? Do you think maybe that Facebook is popular despite those bells and whistles? Yeah, I well, I'm going to go on. A I don't limb know if here. I can answer that. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Google Plus is popular for the same reason Facebook was when MySpace was around. Um, for for those of you who remember, six years ago or whatever, when when Facebook was barely starting out to become public, um, the reason why people were moving to Facebook was to get away from MySpace. All the, all the graphics, yeah, all the weird things they started to add. Every page you went to playing a full track of music yeah, every exactly. single time. So I, I kind of I, I kind of want to say that people are going people that are going to Google Plus are the ones who are tired of all the antics on Facebook. You know, purple cows wandering across their Facebook feeds and feeds and things like that. Um, however, that one friend that has to post and. A political <laughs> thing every five seconds. Yeah, but that, that Google Plus user is still on Facebook because none of their friends are switching to Google Plus, so they're they're kind of double agenting it here. <laughs> I just wanted to say that the only reason I still have a Facebook account is because there are people. The only way I can communicate with them is through Facebook. It seems like yeah. they don't respond to emails, they don't respond to texts, they don't respond to tweets, they don't respond. Sometimes it's even a shock to even try to get them on the phone. Yeah. All I know is I need to use it more. I, I will admit I don't use it much. Google Plus or Facebook. Google Plus. I do not use it much. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think of Google Plus as an afterthought. Oh, yeah, I still have this. What's here? Oh, everything I've already seen on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> Same pictures that See, are being shared. And when I think of Google Plus, I go there, and it's all, like, a lot of tech-heavy brands and individuals that I follow. You know, I get a lot of my tech news from Google+. Plus. That's my experience as well. I follow an Arduino community, an Android community, and yeah. uh, I get different things. It's it's more like what Twitter used to be for me. I, I get the relevant things that I want. Facebook is for the personal interactions, and, and Google+, Plus is for my... I would like to caution here. I'll, I'll be the devil's advocate in this conversation, okay? I would like to remind you that that's what Google Groups and Gmail used to be, too. Yes. It was the no-frills, clutter-free one that just worked. It was nice and clean. It just gave you what you wanted before it became a data mining you know, opportunity against you, before this, it was turned against this you. This is true, but it was harder to post things on, and it was harder to get connected... Are you saying that Google Plus is not data mining us? Because I'm, I'm saying sure that it is are. already, but it will get worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Facebook doesn't. <laughs> oh, I know Facebook does as well. But you know, we we talk right now about how good Google Plus is because we don't have purple cows. Well, in 
sometime in the future, Facebook will die. Yes. That is just a certainty. It will happen. Facebook will die. It always happens. And a bunch of teenagers will die with it. Well, maybe. <laughs> but then Google Plus will be the big one, and it'll start expanding bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then a couple of years down the line, when people have had time to forget, all of a sudden, we're going to have a huge amount of integrated games and we're going to have raffles and giveaways that all have their own Google Plus API plugged into it that are grabbing and mining data left and right and they're going to have everything that people hate about Facebook now only it'll be Googleized. Right. And I'm not blaming Google for this. I'm not blaming Facebook. I'm just saying what people forget is this is a cycle. It will happen every single time. Yeah. I can't we'll wait to join the group that says bring back our old Google Plus. The one with no one on it. Yeah. Nice. All this has happened before. All this will happen again. Life out there. Life here started out there. No, wait. Just give me MySpace back, okay? I want my old MySpace. No. MySpace became <laughs> such a joke. Well, before it became a joke, that's what I want. <laughs> Um, I honestly, I only remember MySpace because that's where I first found Jonathan Colton. Yeah, that's the only reason I really remember it. And the only reason I got on MySpace is because the rest of us were all at work getting on MySpace for the first time and going, "Oh, look at this!" and "Who's who's Captain Spy?" and "Who's that?" <laughs> well, admittedly, that was also because that one coworker we all knew um, liked to post many, many quote-unquote modeling pics of herself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was interesting to go to work with her the next day. See, there were people posting stupid things even before Facebook. (laughs) I was so glad I wasn't a teenager, though. (laughs) Uh, And uh, our final headline here, we have uh, news of Voyager 1. Voyager 1 is now confirmed to have left the heliosphere. Now, the heliosphere is uh, it's basically the boundary between our solar system and the rest of inter- interstellar space. It extends a lot further than people ex- expect. Uh, now, at this point, it is in interstellar space and still transmitting to us, which is kind of cool. Considering this, this was launched in 1977? Ever. Yeah, I, what would they say? It's like 32 years, 35 years, or something like that. It's only taken that long to get to the edge of the solar system. Now, the problem is, is we all know, 200 years from now, it's going to return as V'ger, and uh, wreak massive havoc havoc on us. So we come back as a cloud, and uh, it's going to digitize all of us. <laughs> I just find it amazing that they've been able to keep the fact that it's a manned spacecraft secret for this long. <laughs> oh, is that where Hoffa went? That's uh, yeah, yeah, could be. Um, <laughs> When Man, JFK you, was "quote unquote" assassinated, you know, they just they just put him on the rocket. How much it would suck being sent on that? I know it's only the seventies, but we're going to send you off on this wonderful space rocket ride. Now, this is before video games have gotten good. We'll give you some eight readers or tablets <laughs> or Angry Birds. So you know, just I don't know, count the stars, take a book, and enjoy reading. 1984, because when you get back, that's what it's going to be. Only half a book. Only take half a book. We have to cut back on weight. Just imagine how, what the ending could be like. The best, the best book is in your mind. 
That sounds so cheesy. Okay, yes, it we, does. Have, we have a we have a only a very short time. We're out of headlines, so onto our talking point. Our talking point is a holdover from like weeks and weeks and weeks ago, and it is the question of if you buy something online, is it yours? Now, oh wait, I apologize. I've just been reminded we have one more headline, but it's Canada. Do we really care? Yeah, let's do Canada because this is Canada. Superman. It's Superman news. So and Canada has decided to have a You've screwed me over on my talking point for the last three weeks, so let's just make it an even four. <laughs> okay, you're right. Let's, let's completely ignore that one. <laughs> Here, spoiler alert. If you buy it, is it yours? No. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Canada has decided to mint a new coin, and it has Superman on it. Actually, multiple coins. Multiple coins, yeah. Well, they're, I, they're, I don't mean just one. So are they lead coins so you can't see through them? They're kryptonite coins. They just give you low-level radiation poisoning. <laughs> There's there's silver and gold, and they're imprinted. I I think the seven hundred fifty dollar fourteen karat gold coin has the has the scene from Superman number one on it. Um, different scenes on different coins. They're really cool, but Canada is apparently very proud of the fact that Superman's creators, one of them, was Canadian. So. Canada is just kind of weird with their money anyway. I mean, between the loony and the toony and now the supermanny or I don't know what they'll call this one. The supery. They they do have a limited number of of prints for each of these. Uh, Some of them only they only minted 2,000 of them. Some of them they minted 10,000 of them. So they're going to go fast, mostly by Canadians. But... uh, now, is this actual legal tender, or is this like a commemorative yes. coin, like those nine eleven or silver buffalo or Sacagawea dollars that you see on late night infomercials here? They can be used as legal tender. Um, you would be stupid if you did. <laughs> so in other words, it's a one dollar coin a with worth ten dollars. <laughs> if you're if you're gonna buy a, a seventy five dollar coin for seven hundred fifty dollars, you'd be stupid to spend it as seventy five dollars. <laughs> Just saying. That's not to say people won't do it, though. However, if you go shopping in Canada and get one of these as change, keep it. (laughs) Try selling it on eBay, maybe, if you want. Has anyone actually explained why Superman? I mean, I know you you said because one of the creators was Canadian, but, like, Michael J. Fox is Canadian. Nathan Fillion is Canadian. James T. Kirk. you You know, Shatner's Canadian. Everyone in entertainment is Canadian. Is this their only yeah. claim to fame in the comic book world? I don't think it is. Isn't Wolverine Canadian? Yeah, we'll have, have Logan on Canadian. There. Um, Wolverine you've is got but... you've got um, North Star. I think that's his name. The, the Captain Canuck, Marvel. Yeah, Captain they're, they're, Canuck. Their characters <laughs> the are from Canada, Canada but were they were they invented <laughs> in Canada? That's that's the question. You stop and think about it, though. Which comic character is bigger than Superman? I mean. Really, there's none. Silver there's Surfer. There's none. If, if you... <laughs> that if, might. <laughs> Galactus is quite large. He's the devourer of worlds. He's big. Thanos, uh, maybe? <laughs> but you go and ask the average person up on the street to name one superhero, they're going to name Superman. Average uh, So, yeah. I, you know, I... I, I don't understand why now, why this one. And unfortunately, the new story doesn't really explain it either. 75 so, years, perhaps? Maybe. All I know is it 
this is kind of odd. If anyone else knows, please let us know at feedback at stolendroids.com. Uh, on to our favorites, since we decided to uh, ignore Zoner's talking point again. Mine I actually found on Gizmodo, and I want to say I found it uh, today or yesterday. It's a huge convergence of geekiness here. A guy built himself a heart rate monitor from an Arduino and a pulse sensor, and he strapped it to himself, and then he charted what his body was doing during Game of Thrones' now infamous Red Wedding scene. Now, if you have not read the books, or if you are reading the books and have no clue what I'm talking about, um, skip the next 30 seconds. But, spoiler alert, the Red Wedding is that horribly bloody, everyone dies, everyone, everyone, everyone dies uh, movie. Pregnant woman stabbed repeatedly in the belly. Mother has her own, you know, slits her own throat. Dire wolves have their heads chopped off and sewn back on to people in weird ways. Okay, it's really screwed up. And there's hilarious videos online of people reacting to it for the first time. Uh, if you ever wondered why your fan- friends who were really into George R. R. Martin were all depressed a few years ago, this scene is why. Well, so this guy charted his heart rate and all of his vitals during this, and you can actually see it almost flatlined through the first mm, two-thirds of the movie, and then all of a sudden get really erratic and jump <laughs> all over the place. I just, I think this would be like the best type of feedback for marketing groups. They need to do this in all movie theaters from now on. Uh, my favorite this week, uh, we got the new iPhones coming out. Uh, before they were officially announced, we had a group of video people from YouTube put out a uh, commercial describing the new iPhones. And it's a parody, but surprisingly, it seems quite accurate to me. Uh, it's a little bit long, about three and a half minutes. Uh, they probably could have done it in about two, in my opinion. But it's funny, and it's appropriate. So watch it now. No, wait till we're done, and then go watch it. Uh, my favorite comes from uh, a channel I watch a lot on YouTube, The SciShow. Uh, they did a, um, a series on the four, fundam- four fundamental forces of physics. Um, I really enjoyed them. I've, I've watched them a couple times, actually, because uh, they're really informative and entertaining. Um, there's there's six videos. I know there there's four fundamental forces, but there are two forces that that they cover in two episodes each. So uh, check them out if you've ever wanted to learn about the fundamental forces of physics. All right. So my favorite is uh, this guy's only second video he's posted on his YouTube channel, and he posted it two days ago, and it already has over a million hits. Uh, it is the, uh, uh, they're called modern trailers. You take a, take, take an older movie and you make a trailer for it if it was going to be released this year with all of the special, you know, heart pounding music and heart pounding scenes and the way they go ahead and they have to, they have to describe certain scenes certain ways and the way that the, the titles flash up, up on the screen. Well, he did this for Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And it makes it look like this humongous, you know, medieval action movie that's supposed to be coming out. And it's actually very well done, especially as a Monty Python fan. I kept waiting for something funny to happen. And it was very serious. And because of that, it was very well done. Uh, So, again, once you get done watching Zoner's video, go watch mine. 
All right. Well, that is our show this week. Again, special thanks to everyone who's just tuning in for the first time because of Comic-Con. We love meeting you. We'd like to see you back here again if we didn't annoy you or offend you. Uh, otherwise, we want to hear... <laughs> We want to hear back from you. Feedback at soulandroids.com. Let us know what you think. Until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day.